Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Age of Jeremy. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. I am the leader when it comes to advice with business content, creation software, taxes, investment, education, and all the hobbies that I enjoy. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Snapchat, all at Age of Jeremy. You can also check me out on Twitter at Age of Jeremy Q. Also, please follow our Age of Radio podcast network Instagram channel at Age of Radioverse. If you want to join our growing community, head on over to Facebook and check out our Addicted to Podcasting Facebook group. If you have a podcast, feel free to join our Facebook group and advertise your podcast. We will also be launching a Discord, so stay tuned for that. You can get updated here or you can get updated by joining the Facebook group Addicted to Podcasting. Make sure to follow our Age of Radio Twitter account at Age of Radio. We will be hosting Twitter spaces soon with the podcast hosts that are on the network. And last but not least, make sure to click the link for Merlin in the episode description to sign up for the Merlin waitlist. Merlin is a new app coming from my 3T Warrior Academy and my software company, Blockheads. It is a crypto app that allows you to link to your exchanges to see your gains and losses. It will also allow you to create an exit strategy that will notify you when the target is met so you can execute your trade. All right. Well, I think that's it. Let's get on with the show. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You are listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness, and well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. Today, I'm having a conversation with the host of our Good Morning Crypto show, Abdullah, who I call Abs. The Good Morning Crypto Show is a show on our 3T Warrior Academy YouTube channel, and uh, he's an amazing young man. He started out by helping us with our technical analysis team uh, for 3T Warrior Academy, but then when we started the Good Morning Crypto Show, Mario, the node defender, recommended that Abs be the host, and now the whole team is rocking and rolling with the Good Morning Crypto Show. It has Abs, Mario, the node defender, Johnny Crypto, Joyful Jackie. Uh, Gonzo, Andrew Cashflow, Selman, and NFT Tones. And the show essentially brings uh, guests on as much as possible. They talk about the uh, the most recent news when it comes to crypto. So it's one of the best places to grip your crypto news. And it's also very entertaining. Uh, I brought uh, Abs on the show to talk more in depth about how he got into investing and into crypto. I also wanted to find out how he felt about the show and talk about some of his favorite moments. So if you don't watch the Good Morning Crypto Show, go and subscribe to the 3T Warrior Academy YouTube channel. That way you won't miss any of the Good Morning Crypto Show episodes. The show comes on Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Arizona time. That's also right now at the time of this recording, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, But it's easy just to say 8 a.m. Arizona time because that won't change. 
All right, here's my conversation with Abs. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, Abs. <laughs> although it's Thanks, one Jeremy. Yeah, although it's one o'clock in the afternoon here and what, four o'clock where you're at? <laughs> yeah, 4.15. <laughs> yeah, so it's not really good morning. I just like how that has become a staple sound for you on the Good Morning Crypto Show. Should I do a quick one for the fans yeah, out there? Yeah, do a good one. Do one right now. Good morning, Warriors. <laughs> yeah. I, you do it so good with the inflection, too. And I it's, have to use my hand. Anybody who watches me on stream, I always go like this. I'm always like, good it's for my timing. <laughs> and and it's, it's awesome because like the inflection, the inflection of your voice and everything is exactly the same every time you do something with it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So, it's great well, from all the repetitions. Yeah. Yeah, from doing it every single day for yeah. how many on um, the podcast? I guess the Two podcast episodes months, would right? be the same. It's fifty four episodes. Wow. Yeah, fifty four times you've done that. We'll have to celebrate on the one hundredth episode. <laughs> we'll do something special. Oh, you know what we should have done at the conference? You should have. Uh, did you do that at the conference? Good morning, Warriors. We did. Oh no, not not did, live. That would have been awesome if you did it. If you did it like when you went up on the first panel. I should have. Yeah, I should have. I, mean, I didn't. I didn't even I didn't think too much. When we got up it. there, Jeremy, it was yeah. so funny. When we got up there, I started going through the introductions because I hadn't thought it through at all. I literally just got up there and was like, "Oh crap, I'm gonna need to introduce them and stuff like that." So <laughs> I went right into it. It was the only time I was nervous was those first like couple of minutes. Yeah, the the you couldn't even tell that you were nervous at all, which was so exciting about it. And I told you that like, um, so. Jordan Harry, who did do the emceeing for people that are listening, he, um, Jordan Harry emceed our um, Freedom Conference, but he, his girlfriend got sick and we were worried that he wouldn't be able to get into the States. And so, cause he's from Europe and, or from Great Britain or Britain, UK, I don't UK know, somewhere or, over there. And um, so, but I, did we tell you we were going to have you do the emceeing? Oh my God. I would have been excited. That would have been awesome. And so when John told me that, because I was telling John about the situation, and he was like, um, he was like, that's fine. We'll just have we'll just have abs do it. (laughs) And like the way that he said it in my mind, I was like, but what if abs doesn't want to do it? That's all that I kept thinking. That's not even a question. I was like, well, and I figured you would do it, but that would be would you have been nervous if you had to Honestly, I was excited. I was ready for that call. When I heard that Jeremy, I mean, when I heard that Jordan Uh was dealing with his girlfriend's thing, I could, Johnny said it to me once. I'm like, oh my God, that would be amazing. So I was actually looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. And I forgot who are we? Oh, so we had a conversation with um, Chris Russell and Asia. So Asia is going to kind of oppose more of the creative design with uh, the 3T Academy to make sure everything looks the same across the board. And, and Chris Russell really wants to help with that. And, um, and Chris Russell does our marketing and our funnels and everything for the Warrior Academy. And so he um, was saying that, um, oh, so when we were doing it, like <laughs> coach was like, yeah, and we have to get abs because he's going to become like a star in like social media like he was like talking like you were going to be like that you're going to become like a blockbuster blowout star that's going to be like the main the main influencer after john like that's so amazing it was really cool that actually means so much because when i first found you guys i think jv had 300 warriors had gone through the academy at the time and you were you were definitely less than 10,000 subscribers on youtube and i'm like this guy has something specific about his energy and his message and what he's trying to portray mm-hmm. is so unique. And as well as there's just a community that's grown so authentically behind him, 
God only knows how far we're going to grow. Like I can't wait until the day coach reaches a million subscribers and, and we're doing conferences in front of 20, 30,000 people. Like the, the best part about Phoenix, regardless of the crypto talk was just being around you guys, being around people who are like-minded, having high quality conversations that we're all actually interested in. Like, I don't have to pretend to be enjoying a conversation when I'm there. Like I right. genuinely enjoy speaking to all those people. Well, And I know that we say a lot that it's always about that. People aren't going to walk away with any of the content. They're going to walk away with how they felt about the situation. Yep. And it's interesting because even me who was like a builder of the con, the only thing I remember is being able to hang out with you, Mario and Johnny and Gonzo <laughs> and Billy and yeah. having, and, you know, having fun with all the people that the team that had come in for the conference. And so for me, I don't remember anything that even the bearable bullets said during this. <laughs> I don't remember anything of it. It was just all of the cool experiences that we had with the people and all the great things that the people had said. So uh, a lot of those nights it was, I would go to Johnny's room and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to grab some melatonin. It's 1030. Literally before I know it, it's 1am. There's eight people in the room. We're all just laughing and talking. And we're like, holy crap, we have to be up at 545 for the conference tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it was every night. There was just so much laughter and good times. And that's all I remember. Not same thing as you. I remember the first morning getting ready. Everyone comes in, we're clapping, we're rolling. All of a sudden it's Sunday and we're at IHOP. <laughs> I leave in 45 minutes. Yeah. And we couldn't like, even eat at IHOP because it was taken. <laughs> so after we left there, so after we dropped you and Mario off at the airport, me and Johnny went to a Waffle House and for some reason they were closing for an hour to switch the shifts. And so they wouldn't even let us sit inside. So we went to another IHOP and it was like the same thing at a completely different IHOP. But How luckily, did you guys manage to pull that off when Johnny only flew out an hour after? Okay. So, well, no, he flew out. I thought he, he flew out an hour after you, but it was like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It was, it was only, it was only That's an so hour. Funny. So when we got to the IHOP, <laughs> we talked to the lady and explained the situation. And so when she brought the food, she brought the check. So we paid nice. when she got that, we ate super fast. And then he got, he got there like at 10, well, his, that pli- his flight was out at 11, I think. So he got there yeah. at like 10, 15 and he was fine. I know I was lucky this time. I wasn't as sad leaving because I had Mario to walk me through the airport. We were at the same gate. So it was so funny. <laughs> like at least I had somebody with me, like all the way to the airplane. Last time I was in Phoenix, I'm sitting there and I had a layover. I had to go to Vegas and then back home to Tampa. And I landed in Vegas and I'm just like, man, I'm have. I'm having a lot of new emotions right now about how much I'm going to miss these people. Well, it's interesting because the only people that I, so, so me and coach don't do a lot of stuff together outside because he's taking care of little John and with all his time, he wants to spend with Raven and raising the kids, which I completely understand. Right. And then Kevin has, you know, his family and the only people that I tend to hang out with, I have a few, like two or three good friends that, I'll go and see Marvel movies with because I'll rent out a movie theater and we'll go and watch the movie. And the, whole then, me, the whole theater? Yeah. So like, the, like one of the, so not like the whole theater, like all of the the, yeah. the room viewing places, but like, yeah, I'll do a theater and it's not, it's expensive, nice. but it's not as expensive as people think. If if you were, if you were doing decent and you, it's not that, that bad, but like, if you don't have yeah. money to do it, then yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but like when I tell that to people like, oh my God, that must be like, it's not, it's not that much money. Like if, yeah, four, friends, head, like, if four friends wanted to go and do it, it would be like a hundred bucks a piece. It's not that big. <laughs> it's wow. not that big. So we're uh, doing that in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that wherever. <laughs> we can totally do it wherever. I'm down for it. I love it. I'll even pay for it. You guys don't That's have awesome. to chip in because I love movies. And so when we, um, um, 
So I'll do that. And then Dustin kind of started doing that with us too, because Dustin likes role-playing games. So then Dustin plays D and D and then I play Dungeons and Dragons with that same core people. The point of what I'm trying to get at is that it was sad for me because I had you guys here and I like doing the things that you like doing. Like we wouldn't play yep. games. We wouldn't play pool. We did the, uh, the go-karts and then laser we, tag and laser tag. And so like, <laughs> I don't have those. I don't do those things often. So for me, it was really sad when you guys left because I wish that I could do it every weekend. I know it's so that's the only thing that's tough about going out there is that I know when I'm leaving, I'm going to be sad about leaving. I like give yeah. everybody a hug goodbye. And it's like, ugh, I always go through this emotional roller coaster of like the, the, thing about staying is that everyone goes to their separate ways too so it's like johnny goes home mario goes home you guys stay i go back to florida it's i don't know yeah. makes me sad <laughs> yeah but the good news is eventually maybe we'll all be in one spot and we get to go to connecticut <laughs> in a here's couple the, of months here's my goal right i'd like to have a place in arizona and a place in florida and that way i can fly out to arizona do a month there be in person and then my family's moving down to tampa so i keep a place in tampa i can fly down here do the podcast and everything that we're doing now over the, over the camera. But my real long-term goal is to have an in-person studio. That would be you will freaking 100% amazing. Have it. I know you will be amazing. So speaking of that, so during, so you do stuff for us at three C Academy, but then you do stuff with your dad. Is that correct? Because you guys yeah. own a family business. Yep. Yeah. So my dad is a, um, he owns gas stations. He has auto shops. He does used cars and he also does like distribution of gas. So he'll purchase gas, sit on it kind of play the markets, but I've been working so when for he them. purchases the gas, is it, it's the physical, he holds it in physical gas, a lean form. So there's two types. He does it through the markets and then he does have literal tanks that he fills up in a facility and, and the gasoline will sit That's there. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard ever. If he wants, <laughs> if he wants money, to and he's Middle Eastern, of course, so yeah, it fits the stereotype which makes perfectly. it even more hu- like humorous. <laughs> so I'll plug him right now. Go check out Super Petroleum, Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> Super That's Petroleum, <laughs> Boston, Massachusetts. Are all of the gas stations in Massachusetts? Yeah. So I think he has nine or 10 in total, and they're all in the same area in the South Shore, about 40 minutes south of Boston. Was that hard for you while you were growing up? Was he all, cause he's always working. I'm yeah, assuming. Dad, my dad never took a day off. First time I saw my dad ever take a day off. He works on Christmas, works on new year's Sundays, works when he's sick. The only time I saw him take a day off is when he got meningitis and he was supposed to go to work on that Sunday. Typically he leaves by 9am. My mom had called me. So I drive back up from Rhode Island. I was living in Rhode Island at the time. I get home and my dad is actually in bed, still sleeping. I mean, he's a guy who's up, he's like JV, but not quite as committed. He's up at probably five 45 every morning, yeah, not quite two 30, but, but he was still sleeping. And so we went, we checked. I don't want it to go into too much detail, right, but we yeah, did have yeah, to call yeah. an ambulance. The ambulance came in, they took him to the hospital. He missed about two weeks of work mm-hmm. and then he was right back at it. He didn't even like rest no. the rest to get fully better. No. He was just like, as soon as I can, I'm going to go back out. But you know what it did help him realize is that his work schedule, it's not sustainable. He's starting to get into his early fifties. He's, I think he's 52 now and he's an old 52. I know 52 is pretty young age, especially nowadays, especially watching Johnny run around and Johnny's like 50. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) They're the same age, which is funny. You can tell that like, I'm sure you, well, I can't cause I've never met your dad, but there might be like a difference in how they, like your dad's probably just beat from working forever. Yeah. He looks like it too. And he's very old school in the sense of like working for your money. He takes, it's not about 
accumulating the maximum amount of money. It's about being prideful in that process of, of building something, putting in the work and showing up every day. Yeah. So, but I learned work ethic from him for sure. He doesn't have anybody that's going to can take over the business though and run it after him. Or does that go to you or what's that? Yeah. I don't want that response. I love my dad. I I would a hundred percent. I want to be sure if he hears this, I don't want that responsibility. I love you, man. But uh, I have other things that I, I want to do. I do have an older brother who's 26. So he's, he's working for them now. I would love to see him take over that company. But my long-term goal is to figure out enough passive revenue streams and just, they own a ton of real estate as well. So they have a bunch of renters. I think that's more long-term. Yeah. I want to see them start downsizing. Yeah. So is that why, is that the, is that the reason why you got into investing is because of the fact that you saw your dad working forever and you didn't want that life? Or how did you get into yeah. investing? Cause you were going to college for economics yeah. And then something happened and you didn't finish, right? And then you started doing investing or were you doing investing before that? Because you started doing investing really young. Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing investing when I was about 15 years old. I don't even know if that's legal yeah. or what my parents were doing at the time. So don't come after me, SEC. But what, I, <laughs> what my parents were doing at the time is the money that I was making, which is very, very minimal, maybe $5,000 in, in a summer, they would let me start putting into an E-Trade account under, it was like a co-existing account with my mom or whatever. And so I really got familiar and I was terrible. First few years, terrible. Like was, was probably losing 20, 30% on my portfolio every year from the time I was like 15 to 17. But I had a life-changing event take place when I was sophomore in high school. So I ended up stopped going to school. I got in a bunch of trouble. Yeah. Um, I lost my best friend, Jeremy. We've talked about this yeah, at yeah. the same time. So I lost my best friend to suicide. Um, and I basically spiraled. I became like just a total mess, angry at everybody, didn't want to follow directions. And that led me to the point where my parents took me out of school, my sophomore year of high school. I was, you know, I was supposed to be a captain on the lacrosse team and all types of stuff. So my parents were like, no way, pulled me out, took away my cell phone, went, started working full time. And that's where I learned that this wasn't for me. I was doing, I would get up at 6 a.m., go and get coffee with my dad, start helping open the stations. Then I would get to Braintree, which is where his main auto shop is. Yeah. And I would be the guy who did oil changes, brake pads, inspection stickers. Oh, so they put you just, to work work. Like, oh, yeah. It was like not in like you know, oversighting anything or paper. Like it was like, I'm going to, you're going to work, work. It was punishment. It was straight punishment. And then he would give me a hundred dollars every day. That was my, that was my pay. So I was working like <laughs> ridiculous hours with, and in like terrible conditions. Like I smelled like gasoline and I wasn't as into fitness yet, but I was still an athlete. I wanted to play division one lacrosse. That was my ultimate goal. And it was just a rude awakening that once school is over, once this ride of high school and friends and then college and sports, once that's done, everybody gets this massive reality check, I think. And that typically happens in their early twenties. I got mine at 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then from the investing, you were, how did you get into crypto? Cause you didn't get into crypto until you started watching coach, right? Yeah. So I, uh, I had a roommate freshman year of college. I went to Manhattan college who was obsessed with Bitcoin. He used to have a 70 inch TV in our room and it would just be the monitor showing the price charts. And he would talk about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so intense. He was an interesting character, but he showed me, I guess that's the, that's the first time I was subconsciously exposed right. or consciously exposed to a lot of this stuff. And I didn't take it seriously. And then I watched Bitcoin go to 20 grand. I had a lot of conversations with my parents about getting involved, never ended up actually buying in. Then fast forward a few years, March of 2020 comes around. We get this huge crash in the stock markets. And I realized that my form of investing was slightly outdated. The way that I was putting money into the market and and aiming for 18% returns every year 
which I had some fantastic years. Don't get me wrong. I got successful for, for when I was about 19, actually, I started to get, take it seriously. And just, yeah. just by sitting and having long-term exposure, you, you're going to make money in, in any market. So it wasn't that I was doing anything brilliant. I was just following mainstream narratives, looking at Kathy Woods, looking at a lot of these people right. and following what they were doing. I forget what I was talking about, to be honest. No, you're good. You were just talking about how you got in or how you got into crypto. So then from there, so then once you started seeing, so was it the Bitcoin push that got you? So like all the stuff that happened. So would that have been 2022 when you started getting into it or 2019? Um, No. So 2017 was my freshman year in college. So that was when I first got exposure. Then March of 2020 came around. Stocks crashed. I I had cash on the sidelines because I had been listening. I knew a crash. I didn't know. I thought a crash Crash was was going to come. What the people were talking about it in late February, how there was a virus and all this stuff. And some people took it seriously. I deleveraged. I had money. Markets crashed. I put it into crypto instead of stocks. That was the beginning of my journey. Yeah. So then how did you, when you were getting into it, so from both investing and in crypto, how did you figure out like what tools and how, so how did you make your stock picks in investing? And then how, how do you make your, your investments in crypto? So it started off by me doing mainstream stocks, like Apple, Tesla, PayPal, Alphabet Inc., those types of plays. And then I shifted into high risk, low cap, you know, those high volatility plays. And I had some real success. Like there was a couple of them, IDEX. I had a lot of success in the drone market as well. I think it was VIX. This is like two years ago, so I can't really remember, but that's where I shifted to. That's how I started to get more high risk before I entered crypto. Which I was is all just really, high risk as crypto. Yeah. So I would bet <laughs> uh, the biggest thing I would go off of was partnerships and adding key players to their leadership boards. So what I would do is I'd go on Twitter, hear about these companies, then go to their websites, read through their stuff. Got it. So you didn't, you didn't do any like full charting analysis and like nope. day trading, That's what's really interesting. Trade. I did zero. <laughs> I did zero. Yeah. So I would only focus on chart analysis when I was doing my entries. But when it came to, oh, we're in a bullish wedge, all that stuff. No, what I was doing is finding companies that I believed in, right. putting money in and willing to let that sit for 18 months. And do you do that same thing than now when you start doing crypto? Yeah, but I have a different approach because back when I was doing stocks, there was zero holdings I had that were 60% of my portfolio. Whereas now I've got 60% XRP bags basically packed and ready to go to the moon. But I've been ready since, (laughs) you know, for a while. I'm ready and waiting. Yeah. Yeah. So so you just keep that and then you don't do anything with it. Like you don't ever take anything from your XRP bags and make trades. So I do sell other projects. Like I I play the market with large cap uh, DeFi's like, ADA, uh, like Cardano, obviously, AVAX, Polkadot. Polkadot and AVAX are two that I made a bunch of profit on this year specifically. Yeah. But in the past, like last April, my biggest mistake is that I didn't take enough profit. I had done, my average buy-in on VeChain, for example, was 1.8 cents. And we had seen, and we were ranging above 20 cents for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And logically, in retrospect, I definitely should have taken some profit. I didn't. I had it staked to getting like 1%. But the, the thing I have been doing correctly is, utilizing all my assets to earn income. Right. Yeah. So with, uh, with that, do you, so is there any other type of investments that you do now besides crypto or do you still do stocks? I own equity in a medical marijuana company in Massachusetts called in good health. Okay. Um, that's somewhat of a family thing, somewhat of a, I actually did an internship there. Oh, nice. Um, Were you able to smoke weed while you were working? No, sadly, I was not. <laughs> my uncle, my uncle was the boss. So it's a pretty cool story. Like they don't do stuff like this, but what they did is they brought me in because yeah. 
I was just, I needed a job for the summer and they ran me through every department there. So I literally was trimming buds all the way to like, shit, like <laughs> negotiating deals and getting to sit in the background and just sit there and listen to those conversations. So it was like, yeah, all happened within four months. It's going pretty well too. the medical, that dispensary, right. Or that yeah. business. Yeah, yeah. The business is, I mean, people will always smoke weed, whether there's a recession or not a recession. Yeah, it's a recession-proof business. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. It's like alcohol, like same thing. People need their alcohol. Is, which is, is it legal there now? In um, is it legal there now in uh, Massachusetts? Yeah, recreational. Like, and recreational. Medical. Yeah, yeah. But it started. That one started out as a medical marijuana, right? Dispensary yes. or yep. whatever. Yeah. So I believe they opened in 2016. They were one of the first ones in the state. Nice. And is that yeah. your is that your father's? brother or is it your mother's brother uh it's my mom's sister's husband got it yeah <laughs> so not, nothing what i said at all <laughs> no. somewhat so, so um so how do you so now i just kind of want to talk a little bit about good morning crypto because nice. you do that and you talk to you do it every morning and so how do you I guess, I guess, I don't know how, if I have a really good, like intro question to this, but like, I guess the, what I want to ask is how do you feel about being a, the host and then it doing so well as the I host for good morning crypto, because it was kind of like John came up with literally the idea at a seven o'clock meeting that we were all on. Well, it would have been 10 o'clock your time or something like that. And yeah. he, and we were talking and he was going on the freaking vacation, right. Or to the, the uh, Peru or whatever again. And yep. he needed a show to be on. And you guys had been planning that, like doing, covering the top, covering just regular YouTube, what we were talking about and covering him. But then it just morphed into a Good Morning Crypto show in like a 30 minute conversation. And then when he asked who would host it and you said you would host it, and then you're just doing a great job hosting it. So <laughs> I guess how- I want to give credit where credit's due, Jeremy. Actually, <laughs> yeah. so he asked who would host it and Mario recommended me. Oh, is that what? So I, I, I was it, yeah. on that call too and I don't even remember that. <laughs> no, but it is funny. I just thought, because it happened so spontaneously and like organically, there was no prior conversation, but I'd always been looking for an opportunity for something like this, just to have a place to talk to people about crypto, yeah. you know, it's which has been so cool. But yeah. So what's been, so how do you plan for the, cause you guys do it every morning at 11 your time, right? Yep. 11 yep. a.m. Eastern. Yep. And eight, 8 a.m. Arizona time for right now, right? Eight, nine, 10, no, nine, 10. Yeah. Eight. Um, so yep. what do you, how do you guys, how do you plan for it? Because at the beginning I was against you planning for it, but apparently I was wrong and you plan for it every <laughs> night and it yeah. goes really, really well. So how do you plan for it? Because you guys, you guys, I guess tell tell for people that haven't listened to the show or the podcast because it's on the Three T Warrior Academy YouTube and it's yep. a podcast wherever people get it. How do you, what is the content of the show or like what is the show like or what is the purpose of it? So the purpose of the show is to tell people the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics happening that day. So what we're focused on is a lot of the mainstream headlines. Like what JV does is he dives deeper and he'll tell you about the World Economic Forums. Like the, a lot of the agendas going on in the background. We're more surface level crypto topics like Elon Musk direct impact, Grayscale opens a new hedge fund, um, Michael Saylor is purchasing Bitcoin. Those mainstream stories are what we like to focus on. And then we bring that to a more fundamental understanding of the market, try to give people peace of mind about what's taking place. Because the volatility in this market, it can be very overwhelming, especially if you enter at the wrong time. I, I have a ton of close friends and family who decided to enter this market in the fall of 2021 and are very confused about what we've been doing because yeah. this is the this is the great 
misconception in crypto. There's always this narrative of a wave that's about to take place that the regular retail investor is going to miss. So they say, you need to get in now because in two months, Bitcoin's going to be a hundred grand. And we always have those conversations in both directions, bullish and bearish. So, yeah. So, so to that point though, do you think that those things will get there or do you think, so I guess my question is, so a lot of that stuff builds up because people get to information probably too late, right? Yeah. Or they're in, they start hearing about it as the hype is happening because that's what hype is. And so then they get in at a point in time and then they're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So do you think, do you feel at a specific point in time that we'll just use Bitcoin or XRP? Like you feel and know, and based off of what you understand about XRP and about Bitcoin, that they will get to those price targets at some point in time. And you try to explain that to people. How do you convince them to keep holding it and not leave the market? understanding the problem that the individual currency solves. So if you're comparing it to Bitcoin, store of value, that's a little bit more difficult for people to wrap their heads around. But basically, I'd consider a Bitcoin a diamond. There's only 21 million of these diamonds. The current rate they're going for is about $35,000. It's that simple. People tend to overthink it because it's not physical. But if I printed a plastic coin and said they're 21 million, and now these plastic coins are worth $35,000, I think the older baby boomer generation would actually have a much easier time wrapping their head around that piece of plastic as opposed to the software. Correct. Because they can't, they can't conceptualize it or visualize it because of it not being a tangible thing. It's the same reason why it's the same reason why whatever we call the world war two generation people, like why they can't get their head around, you know, a debit card or get their head around the money being online. Right. Is because they can't, it's not real. So it's yes. not real to them. So they can't, they can't see that. Um, well, what is real, right? You can really, you can yeah, have a conversation yeah, I, about the, our fiat currency is not real. No, it's not in any way whatsoever. That's why when people and we agree on ask that, me about that. I'm just kind of like, well, no currency is real. It's just a number. Yeah. And then exactly. the more that you change that number and the more you increase that number and the more you decrease that number on a piece of paper, right. Or on a ledger somewhere then that is what makes the other things that you can purchase and buy with it more expensive or less expensive. Is if, really there was, if there was, it's so simple. It's like, if you can take any asset, if there was a Tom Brady rookie card and there was only one in existence, right? Yep. That, that card would be at a premium. Let's call it a million dollars. All of a sudden, some guy finds a, a box in his basement that has 10,000 of those Tom Brady rookie cards. Nothing's changed about the original card, but you've just l- totally overblown <laughs> the market with supply. Yep. And now that's what we have with fiat currency and Bitcoin is the total opposite. And I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. I don't want to come off that way because I get accused of that. So a lot, what's so, what's a, so I, I get the Bitcoin because like Jack Dorsey's a Bitcoin maximalist and yeah. he's like, Bitcoin's going to save the world and whatever. But so my point is, is that so, but do you own Bitcoin? Because I know certain people have like certain theories and ideas about it. So like Coach JV, he doesn't care if people buy Bitcoin. Like I have Bitcoin. He doesn't care if people buy Bitcoin. He's just not going to do buy Bitcoin because he doesn't, he has his own theories about it, but he doesn't want that to cloud other people's judgment and other people's ability to, you know, gain wealth from having Bitcoin. So, so, but you have Bitcoin, so you're not a Bitcoin maximalist, but do you, you think that there's value to it? So <laughs> here's, here's the thing about Bitcoin, right? Do I think that Bitcoin will succeed? Yes. Do I think that we are in a local, I wouldn't say bottom, but we're in a consolidation without a doubt. Yep. I think in retrospect, if five years from now, we had a quote from Kathy Woods just last month where she said by 2026, she anticipates a seven figure Bitcoin. 
These are the smartest people navigating in the entire US market. You know, it's like Elon Musk, Mark Cuban, Gary Vaynerchuk, Kathy Woods. Not only do they have big social influence, but they have massive pockets to influence the market. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing more and more Bitcoin shift out of the hands of, of people who are just in it for the short term. And we're seeing these wallets like Michael Saylor with 135,000, yep. Terra Luna, 35,000, Tesla, 43,000. As those wallets get bigger and bigger, there'll be less and less circulating supply looking to exit the market at lower prices. So I really think that we're going to be looked at in two or three years. This was a buying opportunity where we're sitting today at $36,000. And there's a reason I'm saying this. It's because I bought Bitcoin today. <laughs> oh yeah, I have a reoccurring. I have a reoccurring buy order on Bitcoin. It happens yeah. every I don't know two weeks or something like that, or a month or something. I put money into Bitcoin, yep. so I don't. I don't have a problem with that. I think people should have Bitcoin. But I guess my thing is, is that do you think that they're doing that so that it gets to a price point and then they liquidate it so they can make? They're just doing it for a play to make money. Yes, but I think that they work so long term that. They, they, it's, a, it's like a five-year play almost. It's like, yeah. they're going to need to dump a lot of this liquidity, but they're not going to do it until we're at least at, you know, well, I shit, would go what did, as far as- What say, did Elon Musk or whoever, whatever entity owns his Bitcoin, how much did he buy the, his Bitcoin out? It was at, when it was at what, 60,000 or something like that or more? Or? Uh, no. So Elon Musk bought his Bitcoin last January at, I, I believe it was just below 30,000. Oh, was it? it was 29,000. So I was completely. So destroyed. they are profitable. So and they're then profitable in, right now. <laughs> so they're doing well. Yeah. But this <laughs> okay. is what we talk about on the show all the time, Jeremy. Me and Johnny always talk about this. That's why we don't think we'll go below those levels. Because the second that they're below 29,000 and Michael Saylor's average buy-in is 22,700. Mm -hmm. These are the bottom, bottom floor levels for where Bitcoin Right, because go. that's where they're, that's when they're There's buying There's so much it, liquidity yeah. there. If they dip to those prices, those huge wallets are going to be taking out loans for billions and billions of dollars and just dumping it into Bitcoin. Because it'd be brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And in fact, that's one of the things that we never, I mean, we, we all talk about it because we're doing this, but we, not a lot of people talk about the ability to leverage your current securities to then go or coin, whatever you want to call it, your asset, yeah. leveraging that asset to then go and rebuy the same asset and people. Yep. And that's one of the biggest things that people can be doing. And that's what we're seeing. Cause isn't that, I mean, isn't that what Michael Saylor is doing or did? Exactly. He did it for $200 million last yeah. month on Bitcoin, $200 yep. million buy. Yep. So, so then are you just going to be holding your Bitcoin then until you see it get to I am. So I actually have, a, I have a plan. I'm, uh, I'm taking my Bitcoin and I'm using it on a lending service called Freeway. I'm going to earn about 38% or I think it was 37% because there was a couple of things I decided not to do. You can get up to 43%, but the base rate for, if you want to leave it liquid, just sitting there is 20% on your Tether, Ethereum, Bitcoin. So I'm putting my Bitcoin in there and I'm thinking if I have two Bitcoin, then by the end of year one, I'll have 2.8. By the end of year two, I'll have 3.6. And that's what gets me excited. I don't really care. Not that I don't care, but I'm not focused on what the price of Bitcoin will be. Even if Bitcoin's $50,000. Right, because you're going to get that, that fixed part. rate on it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you prep? So there's a bunch of information because the one of the things that uh, doesn't boggle my mind, but makes me not really want to do a lot, a super amount of research. And I rely on you and Jackie and uh, the rest of the team to do all the research is there's mm -hmm. so much, re there's so much out there. So how do you decide what you pick for your topics for the good morning crypto show? Like what I spend a lot do? of time alone in reading. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I do is I'll, I'll spend like a few hours scrolling through Twitter I'll gather up maybe 12 or 15 articles. I'll read those articles. And they're typically from, you know, Blockworks, WatchGuru, 
Um, what's the other one? News.Bitcoin. Um, there's a, there's a bunch of them, but what I'll do is I'll take like a bunch of those. I'll read through them myself. I'll narrow it down to 12 or 15. Then I'll, I'll pick like seven or eight of them. And that's when I have a meeting at night with like Johnny or me and Mario meet in the morning. So at nighttime, I'll typically, I'd say three days out of the week, me and Johnny meet, he, he bounces ideas off me. And I feel like we always have a better show when we do a prep the night before, just because our chemistry is there. But every morning, once I, once I narrow it down with Johnny, we add more, more specific stuff or we get rid of some articles we don't think are relevant. I have a meeting with Mario where we go over the same content. We'll tweak it a second time. And then I write the introduction. Me and Mario both write the introductions for the name part. <laughs> yeah. And then I write the introduction for the articles. And that's pretty much the whole thing. Nice. So, and then how do you find guests to be on the show? Because one of the things that I like that you guys do, and obviously I had some input on this, but one of the things <laughs> that you guys do that I really yeah. enjoy is that you don't like really interview the guest. Like you, you like, so when you have X and I'm just, because this is recent, like if XRP yeah. Jen is on there, then you guys will talk about XRP, which is her specialty. So you'll have an article that is relative relevant to what the guest is interested in. And then it will get them to be able to talk about their, you know, knowledge point. So yes. do you find that that is better than just interviewing people or like, like, do you think that that's what kind of sets the show apart or what, what are I the bigger reasons for the show being different? Something we pause, I would, I guess I would say undervalued in the beginning was our, the chemistry me, Johnny and Mario have like, we didn't fully, cause we just started this thing, which is brand new. Like, even though we've been doing it for three months, I really believe that in three years, I'm going to look back and be like three months in, we were babies, you know, this is going to evolve so much, but in the beginning, we weren't sure what, what we were going to be as a show. We were still figuring out who we were. So in the, that first week, we had a couple of guests like RKM Bear and Waters Above, and we really just interviewed them. We let them take center stage. We didn't even address news articles, I don't believe. And then we, we, we kind of found our feet once, once we figured out what we were trying to do. We were trying to communicate how to not get swayed by narratives, if that makes sense. We were trying to bring like peace of mind, long-term thinking, community-based type of thought process going forward. I'm not really sure I'm explaining yeah, myself. No, no, well. I, I completely agree. I, I completely agree with that. And I think that the way that the show is now is phenomenal. And you you guys do have really good chemistry. And it's funny because like if like you can watch you and, and not saying that Aunt, like all the other people are amazing too. So yes. everybody's really amazing. Donzo, Jackie, everybody. Selman, Andrew, <laughs> everybody Billy. is amazing. I don't want to forget anybody. Yeah, but like <laughs> it's some of the funniest things happen when it's you, Johnny and Mark. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and like so I was showing like it was really funny I was showing Danielle because she doesn't listen or watch the show because you know it's on when she's at work and she just whatever and so yeah. she'll watch it occasionally if I have it on or because sometimes I'll throw it on in the living room to just see what was you know what was going on on the show and which um, I appreciate that's freaking uh, awesome <laughs> and so so it was funny so I was telling her about some of the funny moments that happened with Johnny and <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I do it and I'm trying to find the XRP the first XRP gen episode I think it was oh my goodness or, and so I'm trying to find that. And so the first thing that happens, it pops up and Johnny's there with his fucking like um, his uh, tank top on. And I'm saying, I forgot what I said, but the first thing that came out of Danielle's mouth was like, yeah, and maybe he shouldn't be wearing that tank top. And like, it was just <laughs> funny. Like just the people being the people is what makes it humorous. And like, yeah. you can find funny, th that's what's so fun about being on there is like, if you look at it, you can make fun of all of us. That's what makes it fun exactly. is because we're just regular people, like yeah. not trying to just having a conversation. It's not trying to be this, ex, ex, you know, ex, 
amazing like production will no. continue to make the production better but like it's just funny because you guys just talk and share your insight and go back and forth and it makes the show just freaking hilarious and the best part is that we've never been and this speaks to like you and jv so much we've never you've never even hinted that we're supposed to act a particular way we just get to be the most raw and authentic version of ourselves and that's why johnny crypto is so freaking funny because we let him be unfiltered he swears he says hilarious stuff like people love him and that's why i think he brings such a unique freaking energy is there's no there's no uh, self-consciousness involved. He's just being himself. Right. And that's like the most important thing. And like, not to say anything, you know, negative about anybody else's show, but they're mm-hmm. trying to put on a pers- They're trying to create personas about themselves. Like, yes, yes. Mario goes by the no defender online. You go by abs. Cause no one can say your name. And then Johnny, goes <laughs> yeah, by, give it a shot. It's Abdullah. <laughs> Abdullah. And then Johnny crypto is, is Johnny, he's not, they're not trying, they have like their, you know, handles or whatever you want to call them, but they're not like trying to create a look or a feel about who they are. They're just being themselves. And that's the only, in my opinion, the only reason why I started to do any of these journeys with John is because I didn't, I'll be honest. I like, I like John. I liked John when he was in the bank, but I love him now. Like, I love him even more now. Like, he's yeah. f- he's getting to be himself. And you could see even when he was at the bank that he wasn't himself and I wasn't being able to be myself. And it's weird to see if you just let allow people to be who they are and not get them to just focus on a stereotype or on a thing that they have to be, no matter how funny they are, no matter how people can make fun of them, people will always gravitate to those people. And I think that that's why the show goes good and and, and not saying anything about like around the blockchain or any of the other shows, but like around when the people, the, the, the small amount of influencers that I've been privy to with crypto, everybody's trying to create an image and, and they're, they're, they're trying to create an image that wasn't them originally. Right. Where I think that that's one of the biggest differences about coach, you, Johnny, um, Billy, uh, Mario, Jackie, um, Andrew, Selman, Gonzo, Gonzo, you guys just get to be you. And we're not trying to stop that because if we stop that, then, or if we try to say to do this, to be this way, that's going to hurt it where it's growing so great because you guys are allowed to be yourselves. I don't know why. If you just think about how (laughs) this particular group came together, Jeremy, it's been such a unique process that I I've always had this, this calmness of everything's going how it's supposed to. And it's just so amazing. Like we haven't even known each other for, I mean, maybe at this point, I think I first flew out to Arizona and met JV in person in May of last year. Yeah. But I don't think I didn't meet you at that. I only, I met you at the Vegas trip in July. So it hasn't even really been a year for me, which is crazy. (laughs) And think about how much has changed. Just, I mean, we can talk about the developments in, in PCA in the warrior Academy on podcasts and TV shows and stuff. But when you just think about our relationships, how we've we're we we're like very very close it's not like there's no act and that's what i like it so much about the good morning crypto show is like it's just a lot of our conversations we would have if the camera wasn't on correct and that's that's you know? what makes it amazing yeah that makes it really really amazing so what have been your what's been your favorite episode that you've done so far oh man it's so difficult i actually i nothing really comes to mind there's not a particular episode that comes to mind but what does what has actually surprised me so much is how much fun I have during the prep with Johnny and Mario and and Gonzo. And like when we're prepping before stream and stuff like that, I've actually enjoyed that. I wouldn't say as much as the show, but almost as much as the actual show, just because like, there's been so many funny moments that have come out of it. And we've gotten so much closer because we're working together so much more often. So it's just been a blessing. I think everything is going 
exactly how it's supposed to, regardless of how I feel about it. And that's how I choose to look at it. Yeah. And it is going really, really well. It's growing. And if once we continue to do advertising and then as crypto continues to get bigger or people find you guys on TikTok and grow, because that's one of the things that's also interesting to see is how well you guys are growing on TikTok Um, or not on TikTok, on Twitter. Jesus, none of you are on TikTok. (laughs) No, we're not even on TikTok. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm like, wait, this is new What's happening? (laughs) We're growing on TikTok? No, on Twitter. I'm sorry. I did a TikTok not too long ago. So I guess that maybe that's why it's on my mind. Um, But on Twitter, so like you, so you don't have your own Twitter, but you go on the handle of Good Morning Crypto Show. Right? Yeah, I like to be, I like to call that my account just like as a joke, but it's, yeah. I don't well, have I mean, any I look, Well, I look at it at your account because every time I reference you in a, a tweet, I put abs at 3TG. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's my only Twitter account. It's the only one yeah. that I'm on every day. So like whenever people ask questions in there and they get an answer, that's just me. Yeah. yeah. So when you, um, so, but you're also on Instagram now. Yes. Brand new. Yeah. What's the, what's your handle on there? It's abs three T abs three T. Yep. Cool. 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 On Instagram. Do you I have, got one picture up there. So I know I saw it. I'm like, glad he's got that hundred. I'm like, you did like one thing and have like 150 followers or something. And I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> I haven't even looked. Imagine if you, imagine if you did more stuff on it. <laughs> no, I only have one thing, but Hey, got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> um, so what is your long-term plan for like, like I know that we have PCA and we have the good morning crypto show and we'll probably have other businesses I'm imagining in the future. Cause that's just how I like to do things, but like, so what's your long-term plan? So at the risk of sounding my naive, I used to be really, really dead set on what I wanted to accomplish for myself. And now what I, what I've tried to do is set not so much as logistic and tangible goals, but instead like growth goals, like personal development goals. So if, if you asked me this question a couple of years ago, what I'd say is like, oh, I want to start a company like JV or, or I want to like, you know what I mean? I, I would come up with some sort of an answer of what role I'd like to fill. Instead, what I'd like to do is be able to grow the exact way I'm growing with additional income, more passive revenue streams, a better network, but at the same time, have the same freedom to evolve as a person. Because what I've been able to do from a personal development standpoint as an individual going to sleep at night, being alone with myself. I know it's a different kind of conversation, but that's where I've made the biggest strides over the last three or four years. And the finances I feel have followed. The more I'm able to develop myself personally, the finances are directly correlated. Oh, 1000 billion percent. I feel that the more that you focus on, whether it's getting a, a regular education, getting an online education, getting a spiritual journey, getting, you know, into bodybuilding or weightlifting or getting into yoga or getting into fitness or getting into religion. Like when you are continuously looking at yourself and saying, how can I, how can I improve myself? Then as you're doing that, not only are you changing your, what John likes to call, or what we all call alignment or frequency, right? Your frequency is going higher. I like to say your aura is getting better or stronger, but like then that attracts all these other opportunities to you. That's why when people, when people always talk to me about business and like, oh, you were, you're lucky. And I was like, well, yeah, a lot of it is it's, it's luck, but the luck was created because of me focusing on being better and working hard. And like when you are being better and working hard, then the opportunities come to you, 
right? Or you're manifesting something and those opportunities come to you as your frequency gets better and all these things kind of frequent, they, the frequency come, brings them into your life. And it's then from there, your responsibility, if you're going to take advantage of that, to then work hard with it. That's why there's always an, it's not really an element of luck. It's just an element of you doing the right stuff that's making you better and that's increasing your frequency and then good things are vibrating your way. And then you have to take advantage of them is the way yeah, I look at it. It's like they always say, it's like opportunity luck is when opportunity meets with preparation or yep. something yeah, like something, that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Yeah. So, but one of the things that I've come to realize is that I had a philosophy change when it came to the way I look at people. And this is a little bit different conversation, but it's cool. No, please. I, I would share this with you if we weren't talking now, but what I did think was I used to look at people and say, well, who's there for you when you're down, right? I used to say like, who's got your back no matter what? And I don't want anyone to think I'm talking. This is just general philosophy. So I'm going to throw out something a little bit outlandish here, but it is just, it's not directed at any Anybody. individual. I, I'm just thinking. It's directed whatever you're at Johnny Crypto. No, yeah. <laughs> it's not about Johnny, not about Mario, I'm not about playing, anybody. Playing, so uh, just to preface myself. But what I've realized is that a lot of times when you're down, there's a lot of people there to support you when you're down. And this could be a, a problem of abundance, problem of having a good family, good friends, whatever. Yeah. But I've realized that a lot of times people want to support you when you're down because of the way that they're able to view themselves while you're in that dark place. And so what I've started to realize is who is going out of their way to support me during my success. And that's what I'm making note of right now about because so much is changing in my life from financially to just being independent to to having more say in, in, in important conversations. And again, I'm young, I'm 24. So I know that I'm still a raw version of myself. I'm, I'm going to be a much better version of myself five years from now than I am today. But I've always had people who supported me when I'm down and I'm very interested to see who supports me when I'm up and doesn't criticize me for a lot of the new things I'm doing. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. I would say that that's one of the best things and wisest things that I've ever heard. And, and something that I a hundred percent believe in and agree with because you're right people when they help you then now whether or not they the intention is for them to feel better which i i do i agree with that but you know maybe that's not always the case that they're helping you because you're down and then it makes them you know kind of feel yeah. better about their lives but i but i believe that but let's say that that's not the the case but then where are they when you are successful like no like it's it's so important because then you really you really, you really find out who they are because they're still supporting you and they're still, you know, you know, rooting you on when you are being successful and say, man, you really did a great job. Cause then a lot of people, and we saw, I saw this all of, I still get this a lot. There's so much jealousy out there when you're being successful. That's the reason why they come and help you when you're down because they yeah. saw you rise and then they saw the, the shit happen and like, Oh, well, I told you that it wasn't going to work out, but I'm going to help you because I'm a good person. But what, where yeah. are those other people when you're doing like when, when they're going up, I want to be around successful people. That was one of the hardest decisions that I had to make. And not only do I want to be around success and by hardest decisions that I had to make is like, I cut a lot of people out of my life in my late twenties that I was like, this just isn't good or mid twenties. I've done and, that. I've done that a lot over the past 24 months. Yeah. And it sucks, but you have to, if, if, if they're your real, if they're your real friends and they're supposed to be in your life, when, when you raise your frequency, if they end up raising their frequency, they will vibrate back into your life. I truly believe that if not, then that they shouldn't be there because they're not, they're not, their intentions to be with you aren't the best in my opinion. And so and here's like, what's hard. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. go, no, go. 
I think the hardest part is it's always easy to cut off somebody that you don't love or you or you you like, but you you have some animosity towards. But the problem, not the problem, the most difficult thing that I had to deal with was not hanging out with people I genuinely enjoyed mm -hmm. because they weren't good for the self-development things I was trying to do. And it's a selfish way to look at it, but it's the way I needed to look at it because yeah. I think there's times when it's very appropriate to be selfish. I do. Oh, 100%. It's super. It's, and, and, and I think that selfish, I don't know if selfish is the best term for it because yeah. a lot of people associate selfishness with like greed, right? Yeah. And it's not a greedy thing. It's just that it's your, it's your life. Like you're the only one that can make it what you want to be. And if you're trying to go somewhere and other people, they don't want to go there with you, they don't have to. But it shouldn't mean that you should have to go back to where they're at, even if you love them and care for them, because you would, I would hope like the, I would hope that they would be like, you know what? I understand you need to focus on that. I can't do that right now. I'm not there yet, but I love you. So you go do that. And then maybe later on, maybe I'll want to do that too. And I'll go up there with you. And so it's, that's a really hard, it's a really hard thing, but it's a really important thing. And I think that if people did that more. And then they focused on and really thought about the people that they were hanging around with and the people, whether it's not to get, whether it's to get rich or if it's to stop drinking or to stop smoking or stop drugs or to, you know, just get a regular job. If you just hang around those people that you want to be like, you will start being more successful. Like there's hands down, it, it's, it has to happen. And if that is what you want, then it sucks. But I, I don't look at that as selfish. I think that that's, that's, that's a wise thing to do. Because then if, if you go back to someone, not only are you hurting yourself, or if you go back down to their level or whatever, you, you're not only hurting yourself, you're going to hurt them because they're, they're never going to get past where they were struggling. If I can just, this is a little bit different, but something that I realized during my personal development journey was that life, it's, life it can be much more simple than people want to make it out to me. They like to make things complex. And oh, I think fuck yeah. that if you look at things from a very black and white, simple perspective, it can make it easier. And so I can, you can apply this to anything. Like if you want to, if you want to look good and be in shape, you have to eat correctly, exercise and sleep well. Now it doesn't go anything beyond that. You can do that a thousand different ways, but every single philosophy when it comes to fitness or whatever, it's those three things. And I think it's the same thing with personal development. You have a certain set of patterns that you're doing consciously or unconsciously every single day. The more that you're able to direct those unconscious patterns to patterns that are healthy, that are development patterns, as opposed to if your pattern every morning is to scroll through Instagram while you're on the toilet by subconsciously programming yourself. So instead of you click on Instagram, those first 10 minutes, you click on a YouTube video that's, that has valuable information on it instead. Like it's those minor, minor tweaks. And I think that I've, I haven't mastered it yet, but I think I'm getting much, much better at mastering my subconscious habits of what do I do? Oh, I drink water the first thing in the morning. I get sunlight. I go for a walk. I don't listen to any media for the first 30 minutes of the day. I only do my affirmations. I only write down my goals and I try to stay focused. Now that's changed a little bit with the show because sometimes I'm rushing in the morning. But I really do think if there's any young people listening who are under 30, let's just say anybody who's under 30, if your parents don't agree with what you're doing, there's a, there's a chance you're doing things correctly. Now I'm not going to say it's likely or, or it's definite, but when your parents are looking at your lifestyle through their old paradigm, 
it shouldn't make sense to them if you're doing things correctly. No, it should absolutely not, because then that means that we're not moving forward. In fact, when I see the, what kids are doing, I would prefer that I was doing those same things. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's what you're doing. I'm going to go do that. Because yeah. that's how, that's one of the problems that we have. And not to get politic, you know, to to get into politics or anything. But that's one of the reasons why I think that having... And not to be ageist, it has nothing to do with ageism. It has to do with generations. Generations are different. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Generations have to be different. That's okay. It's their world now. Like, I'm still young. Like, I'm still, but but like, if I was, (laughs) it sounds like I'm talking like I'm in my 60s or something. It's their time. It's it's their time. I'm done. I'm walking off into the sunset. No, but like, but like, but it's okay. Like when, like we'll take this something stupid like Snapchat. People, you're. I'm just gonna be honest. Your generation is like one of the main generations that uses Snapchat. Like yeah. that 23 to maybe I 29. Use right. And so, <laughs> so then why wouldn't I use Snap? If that's how you're communicating, I want to communicate with you guys. So yep. I'm gonna go and communicate. It's the same thing with Selman and me and my WhatsApp problem. I fucking hate WhatsApp. I don't want to be yeah, on WhatsApp. Me too. I don't want to be on WhatsApp. I don't want to do anything. But Selman, Melissa, and Elena collecting in Bellino because they're in Germany and in Europe. Because Melissa's in Europe, um, they all use WhatsApp because apparently in the rest of the world everybody uses WhatsApp to communicate yeah. with everybody around the world. I yeah. was resistant to that. Their generation and their culture, not like international people that aren't just you know, yeah. from the United States, their culture uses WhatsApp. So it's stupid of me to resist that. I will just use it. I'll learn to use it. I'll learn. I still don't like it, but I'll learn to use it. And my communication with Selman has gone up dramatically because now I can get a hold of him. It's where he, it's easy for him to get a hold of. I can get a hold of the rest of them. And like, and, and so like when, when I'm talking to other people and they're like, Oh, I don't want to use discord. Like the conversation was that the conversation that I had with you and Johnny and Mario when I was like, we should make the discord. And he was all like, I know my investors won't use it because they're older. And I was like, well, get them to fucking use it because it's going to yeah. change the way that we communicate and to build yeah. strong communities. And if that's what we want to do, educate them. Hopefully they'll do it because they will be in a better place when they're done. And that goes for everything. That's why we can't have people that are in their fucking seventies and eighties running the country. Like we need yep. at least people in their <laughs> like four. Well, that's what's interesting. You don't even have to get political there. It's like both sides, regardless of who you support. Right. Where is the Absolutely. where is the ambitious fifty five year old who's ready to take this thing head on? Instead, where you literally have eighty. My grandparents are all younger than Joe Biden. I not in a know, political way. Just, I know. it's fucking crazy. And my grand, my grand, oh no, my my grandfather's eighty five, eighty six, and he, <laughs> I think he's still younger than fucking Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, that's crazy. That is or re- Janet Yellen. That is fucking ridiculous. If we even had a 55-year-old, that would be 40 fucking years younger than the people that are 35 or 40 years younger than the people that are running the country. Has enough, I mean, again, I guess I meant political, like, because we were talking about, you know, people in office, but like, yeah. not left or right. This is just, that's stupid. That is the stupidest thing ever. Could you imagine you know an 80-year-old? Really, how, how far would the Warrior Academy go if, like, John retired and a 70-year-old man took over? That Well, that's what I just said. How different would we view the Academy if JV was 82 years old? Yes, exactly. That's how we're looking at the United States right now. If you just take it in a micro sense, imagine if you had a principal of a school and he was 82 years old. Yep. What? It, yes. it's like, <laughs> the way that things were taught were all fucking completely different the way yeah. that we've learned. And, and that's what my problem is with it. And so 
I don't know why we got on that that specific tangent, but it was a good tangent. Um, But so anyway, where can people, they can find you on Twitter. They can find 3TGM crypto at 3TGM crypto. Where can they listen to the, the good morning crypto show? Apple, Spotify, and every single day, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. Cool. You'll hear me say that every day. Uh, <laughs> all right. So now do for to end this episode, do one more good morning, Warriors. <laughs> good morning, Warriors. <laughs> all right. I love you, Abs. Thank you so much. I'll have to I have you, you on again. Awesome. I look forward to it, man. Always <laughs> good talking to you. I love Absolutely. you, bro. Absolutely. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.